documented. Miracles happening today. We have today Kelly Galvan. She is absolutely amazing, beautiful, fun, such a servant. And I heard her testimony at 180 and just a little, little snippet of it. 180 is like a music concert that we have at our church. And I couldn't wait to dig in more. And also her husband was on Don't Sell the Farm and gave this amazing story about the drug cartel in Mexico and all these things that they went through and revival that they had. And so I remember thinking, I really need to get the wife's perspective on this because I can't even imagine if that was my husband. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we have her here today. I'm so excited to get her in-depth testimony. This is her first time really going in-depth. And so we're so honored to have her. And without further ado, Kelly, go on. Hi, it's such an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. I have so many wonderful things to say because Jesus is still on the throne. He's still changing lives. He's still doing miracles. And even in a hopeless situation or lives, he still does miracles and and I've seen um, powerful things. And my hope is that somebody listening to this podcast would say, there's hope for me. Jesus had mercy on my life. And if I could title this story, it would be a redemption story because my life has been transformed and radically redeemed. I was basically born out of an adulterous relationship. My mom had a relationship with a man. I to this day never met him. So I grew up not having a father, not knowing my father, and being born into that and growing up in so much abuse and neglect and abandonment and perversion. And the abuse was just so intense on every level that you can imagine, just emotionally, physically, sexually. And it was a life of secrets and darkness and hopelessness and so much sin. And I grew up with a stepfather who ended up being abusive um, sexually, emotionally. He uh, manipulated us as kids. How old were you when you came into your life? I was told that I was about eight months old. And so I never even knew. I found out through um, a birth certificate. I think it was like maybe nine or ten. I found out that he was my stepfather. And I, I was relieved that he wasn't my real father. But when I found out that he wasn't, I was like, well, who am I then? And it just, uh, I asked my mom and my birth certificate had my sister's father's last name on my birth certificate. So I was like, what about me then? And my mom didn't really know what to say. Well, I just used her sister's father's last name. And so it just created the hole that I already had in my heart. And I already had rejection and abandonment and acceptance issues. And so that really did something to me as a kid. I just had no purpose. And I thought, well, who am I? I had no identity. And so that set me off uh, later on. As as I said said earlier, we, we grew up in a lot of manipulation and abuse and uh, neglect and there was you know physical abuse and emotional neglect and and so I had a twisted mindset and a lot of perversion and perverted mindset I didn't know it was normal that what wasn't normal and everything until later you know as I came to Christ 
But all that just really messed me up growing up. It was, I just so desperately wanted to know who I was. And so I, it just was a mess for me because I constantly looked for acceptance and identity. And I did things I said I would never do because at least I was accepted for a little bit, even though I knew it was wrong. And so if I went, you know, if I stood up for myself, which I was a coward, I, I was full of fear. I was filled with uh, phobias. I had no value, no identity, no self-worth. So that set me up for, of course, making horrible mistakes. And I looked for love in, in boys. It was one and then another one and another one and another one. And I became promiscuous because I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to find identity. I wanted to find love. I wanted to see why was I so bad? What was so wrong with me that I didn't have, I wasn't a person. I didn't know who I was. And so I was just trying to find all these things and of course, I still had all this emptiness and, and a hole in my heart. And I just, I honestly, I didn't know who I was. And I was trying to find that. And I tried to find it all the wrong ways. There was things I didn't believe that was right. And I still did it because I just wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to feel that horrible feeling of rejection that I knew I would feel if I stood up for myself. Besides the fear that I had, I... I had no um, courage at all. And so, again, I was promiscuous, and I just kept making wrong decisions. And then the thing is that sin destroys lives, and the lie is that sin will fulfill you and sin will help you. It'll help you through, and maybe for a moment it does, but then it just destroys everything that's beautiful around you. Everything that's good, sin destroys, and it makes a mess and it makes the hole in your heart bigger and it makes you more empty and more guilty. So then not only am I dealing with growing up, you know, like that, but now I'm dealing with my own sin. Now it's not the sin of my parents anymore and how I grew up. Now I have got myself into trouble. Now I have created these ugly things in my heart. And now I have guilt and now I have shame that I carried around for so long because all the things that I that I didn't stand up for, that I let myself get involved, you know, all these relationships, that I actually became everything I hated. Everything I hated about, you know, sin and, and I, you know, being used and being neglected and, and, and mean, you know, I, I became all that. And I think it was even worse because I didn't know what to do with all these things that I had done to myself. And I, I tried to get better and and so it made me a very ugly person. I, I was very mean and I was, I was trying to hide my rejection by just pretending like I didn't care. So it made me do things and then not care about it and not have a heart about it because that made me feel better instead of actually looking at myself and saying, you're wrong and, and you need help and you need to get right. I just kept hiding and hiding and hiding behind this that happened to me as a kid, you know, I grew up wrong. And that's all true. But the sin created me now as a person, that a very ugly person that I hated. I hated myself for what I've become. So you kind of followed in your mother and your stepdad's footsteps. It was footsteps. just the exact cycle what was, all over it. What was your relationship with your mom like? Your stepdad was really awful. Was she trying to protect you? Was she aware of the abuse? She was aware, and I think, but she didn't protect us. She would kind of see it happening, and I think she just kind of like, can't do anything. So she just, I think she didn't really know what to do, and that was part of my 
anger. Like I grew up hating that because I didn't feel, I wasn't protected. And I knew that. And I just, I was an all lonely feeling. Did you have a reference point that what was happening to you was wrong? Did you just know it in your gut? Or was there anybody that was giving you that reference point that you're like, this isn't normal? Was there other houses that you'd see or situations? Um, again, you know, the manipulation had deceived me so bad that I was told that it was normal. We just couldn't tell anybody. And so that, of course, doesn't sound right, but I'm a kid. So mm-hmm. I'm, in my gut, yes, I knew this. there's something, there has to be something wrong. Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem right. That can't be right. But I didn't know what to do. And then I... What ages were you when this was happening? Were you like already in school? I remember being really, really young. Okay. Um, maybe four or five that I can remember. And I remember that, oh, it's Christmas tomorrow. And I would get excited. But I knew I had this feeling we have to hurry up and open the presents because my stepdad would already be drunk by maybe nine. So we hurry, 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 you know, before it's over and before... Um, the hell starts. The hell starts, yes. And sure enough, like bittersweet. I'm excited about Christmas, but I'm terrified because I know what's coming. And did your stepdad work? He did. Okay, yeah. so on Christmas he would have had it off. He and had it there. off, yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah. So it was almost worse. It was worse. And so it was hard to look forward to stuff. So there was always like the anticipation mixed with fear and did you or sis- you and your sisters ever talk amongst yourself about the fighting or the abuse it was uh, a big family secret and again my stepdad was very he was like mental like he was disturbed besides you know the obvious but he would tell me things if i don't if you don't tell your sister then i'll protect you and then he was telling her the same thing so this is fear just don't say anything so it's just grew up to not talk and to mm-hmm. not say anything. And then if you do, this is going to happen to you. And so I guess I thought that was normal. That's families do. Mm-hmm. Even though on the north side, I thought something's wrong. But I didn't know what a normal mm-hmm. setting was. So you enter into high school with this being your background. And yeah. so you say you said earlier that you were a coward. Yeah. That's literally what you learned. Yeah. Was that you, you don't stick up for yourself. You don't yeah. say anything. You kind of just brush it yeah, under the carpet. Yeah, and then I thought, well, who am I to stand up myself? And so I thought, well, I don't really have anything to say. So I guess I was just so fearful. And if I do say something, you know, what's going to happen to me? So it's just safer just to go with the flow. Was school almost an escape or was school terrifying? What was school like? So this sounds kind of ironic, but I, I had ADHD. <laughs> And so I was really hyper. And I think because of everything that was going on at home. Mm-hmm. So I was very smart. They were going to put me into this, you know, level that I couldn't sit still. And, and that's hard to believe now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I still have that problem. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I couldn't concentrate. Okay. And so I would finish everything quickly and I would get good grades. But then, you know, I was restless and. I, I got bullied at school really bad, like really, really bad. The girls would beat me up, and, and of course my mom said, just ignore them. She didn't know what to do, and the principal didn't really get involved, so I was terrified to come to school. One time specifically, I would, it was elementary school. Um, I want to say it was maybe 10, and all these girls met me in the bathroom, and I was by myself, and they, I didn't mind. You know, I had a lot of anger built up. I didn't mind fighting back, but I was completely by myself, so they didn't fight one-on-one. It had to be a group. 
came to a point I just let them, you know, whatever. Was it because you're so pretty? No, I was a rough looking bit, but thank you. Do you know what it was about? Why were you the target for bullying? If um, you could think now as an adult. I think maybe they saw my weakness that I was not able to defend myself. I was pretty rough looking too. You could tell mm-hmm. that I came from a broken home and yeah. So there wasn't really a refuge. Either. Wow. You know, there wasn't. And so mm-hmm. I had all this built in anger and resentment. I mean, I was a mess. I was probably mm-hmm. a huge mess. I had resentment and rejection was so bad. This rejection on another level. And uh, my sister helped me. She was older than me and she did what she could, but she was in the same boat mm-hmm. as me. But How did she help I, you? She was just there. You know, the Were there sister. any moments of reprieve? I was outside on my bike and I would ride my bike a lot. So that, that helped. But I always knew I had to go back home. Yeah. So, yeah, it was rough. And so I went through my high school years just having sin destroy my heart and my life. And and I thought I was suicidal. I think it was like, you know, 16 and, and 17. And, and, you know, I made mistakes. I trusted in boys. Mm-hmm. I trusted in them. I put my... You know, life, oh, this is going to work. This is going to make me feel like I, I am somebody. I'm going to feel accepted. And, of course, you know, sin won't do that. You know, you it, it's a lie and it's a deceit. And I, I fell in the trap. And I just, you know, just became, you know, this doormat and this, you know, person I never wanted to be. And I just, you know, I just let myself be reused by that. And that made me obviously just get deeper, deeper into feeling rejected and, and used and you know looking for that I didn't except never found it except that I hated myself for for allowing that to happen and I became uh I just always would fantasize with the suicide like I th- <laughs> the reasoning which I know is a lie was like well God understands he'll understand mm-hmm. and that was the way that I thought he's seen what I, I've gone through mm-hmm. and I didn't want to live anymore I mean if I remember being eight, uh, 17, and I was sitting there in my living room thinking, I already feel like I'm an old woman because I've been through so much. And if this is my life now, what do I have to look forward to? I had no purpose. Let's talk about that a little bit more. What, where did you get your concept of who God was? I had been through some churches before with maybe some, I think there were friends of my mom that they had gone. And so I had gone. So I heard a little bit about it, but I was so intimidated because people look so put together. And nobody made me feel that way. Just the way I carried myself. I knew what home was. I knew what I had to go home to. I knew what I was not. I knew what I was lacking. And I thought, well, that's great for them. You know, I had never heard anybody about being born again. I had never heard that. I only heard about um, going to church. And I heard somebody say, well, Jesus died for you and you just have to do your best. And it was like the mentality that you can always be saved or whatever. And I thought, I remember thinking, I think I told my grandma something horrible death for us to just keep being the same. I don't want to be the same. But that something's wrong there. But I didn't. I had never heard about being born again. I remember my my grandma had gotten saved and she started uh, writing me letters. But I was angry, and so she would write letters to me about Jesus is coming back. 
you know, you need to get right. That while I'm trying, I, you know, I don't know how to do that. And then I would rip them up and be upset. But those seeds stayed in me. Like I knew she was right. So she must have been praying for me. Where yeah. was your grandma at? She lived um, She lived in Phoenix also, okay. and she lived about, you know, 25, you know, 30 minutes away. It was back when letter writing used to happen. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Did your grandma just stay away because she knew what was going on? Or why, like, why didn't she come and help? I think she felt kind of helpless. I think right. she felt she she was only the grandma and she couldn't, she could only do so much. Okay. And so I she kind of didn't do know Do you think what she knew what was happening? I don't know. I don't think yeah, she knew. Not the extent. No, huh? not the extent. But I always looked at my life as this big hopeless mess that had no answers. And not that God wasn't powerful. It was just me that I just thought it was too dirty, too unclean. I carried all this. I carried all the guilt and the shame. And it, the weight of that was horrible to bear. It was just unbearable. And so my sister had moved out. And that was devastating for me because she kind of protected me from my mom. If my mom would have kind of a, a rage or a fit, she would keep her, you know, help me, you know, kind of balance us out. And she said, I'm moving. I'm moving. And I thought, you be kidding me. And she moved to San Diego. How old were you? When I she was moved? probably about 17. And I remember thinking my life is, I just felt this incredible emptiness. I couldn't, there was nothing else for me. Like, what am I going to try? What am I going to do? You know, I've tried everything. I've done everything. I'm as empty as can be. I'm more, I, I was an ugly person, to be honest with you. I was just angry and hateful and mean and just a user. And so when that, my life is just kind of coming into an end now. And I had, at 17 years old, I went into my mom's bathroom and I had slit my wrist. And I still have the marks for them. And mostly it was because I wanted her to know how bad it was doing. But also because I, just the hopelessness was unbearable. It was absolutely devastating and unbearable. And the emptiness and and the regret that I had and... And the lack of purpose for the future, it just, there was so much going on at that point in my head. She came in and, you know, she saw what happened and she panicked and, and, um, you know, there was, you know, she saw those bleeding and everything and I, and, but nothing really changed after that. You know, she just saw that that was that. And then. Did she say anything to you? Do you mind talking about that a little more? Yeah. I, you know, um. I'm sorry. You know, she did. She didn't really say much. You know. Were you okay? Did um, you have to go to the hospital? I or didn't. Anything? The ambulance did come, but they they saw that I was okay, and they they asked my mom if I I needed to go to a, a suicide prevention. She said no. So I I stayed home, and I thought, well, maybe this is it. You know, maybe she's gonna see that I need help, or that I don't like my life, or I was just looking mm -hmm. for something. I yeah. was looking for... A cry for help. Yeah. Yes, a cry for help. And of course, it didn't happen. And so my sister moved, and then she said, why don't you come visit me? Or no, why don't you come move with me? And I said, there's no way I'm moving. I never went anywhere. We never went anywhere. We didn't have, go anywhere. We didn't do anything. So that was huge, huge for me. And I said, well, I'll go visit you, but I will not move. And so I went to um, visit her, and she worked all day. So I, 
I'm in the city. I don't know. I'm scared to death. I'm already a fearful person. I have all these things going on. So I just walked down the street. And as I'm walking down the street, I remember saying something to God. You know, I don't remember what it was, but, you know, just crying out for help. And something, you know, along that lines. And there was some people singing outside of a grocery store. And they were playing the guitar and... I thought these people were weird, but I got closer because they started to give their testimony. I didn't know what a testimony was then. And they had so much joy. They were singing and they were laughing. And I had never had that before. They definitely had something I, I wanted, but I didn't have. So I got closer and I was listening to their testimonies. And somebody got close to me and, and just started talking to me and gives me a flyer. And let me tell you that day has never been the same. It was old flyers that had like, um, it was like bright pink and it was Jesus's hand and a nail through the cross. And it said, he died for you. And I kept that flyer. And one of the people that were, you know, talking to me, she gave me her phone number. And when I took that home, I, I walked to my sister's house. I felt like this incredible hope and this peace and this, there is hope for my future, you know? and. Something happened to me, and I've never been the same since then. And I called the sister, you know, the lady, her name was Lisa. And I said, can I go to church with you? <laughs> and so she went, and, or she picked me up. And I went, and it was a great service. And I think they had a revival of someone, and, and I got saved. And God began this incredible, amazing work in my life that could never have been possible if he wouldn't have mercy on me that day. and. I'll tell you, my life has never been the same. So I told my sister, I said, well, guess what? I'm moving, I'm moving here. <laughs> I know I said I never would, but... So I just went back to get my stuff. And then I, I moved back in with her. And God just began this incredible work in me. And he just started giving me hope. And, and just like over time, you know, God began to take away the, the guilt and the shame. And I began to take an honest, he helped me to be honest with myself. And, you know, when I, when you surrender to God and you're honest with yourself, it's like he takes all this weight off and this, this horrible guilt that's awful to live with. And he says, you know what? I've forgiven you. I have this, my new, that was my old life, but I'm not that same girl anymore. I'm a brand new person. He has changed my life. He's literally turned it around so much that I don't, I don't even recognize that girl anymore. He took off the weight and the shame over time. He has healed my heart. He has forgiven me. He has loved me. He has... The blessings are just go on and on. But one wonderful thing that happened is he allowed me to marry my husband. This is where I might choke up. <laughs> and in December, we'll be, have been married 29 years. Wow. We're best friends. He knows everything about me. Every detail I've shared with him, he loves me and he accepts me for who I am. And he knows me. I have to interject. They are like the cutest I know ever. I was going to say, I think uh, we're downplaying it a little know, bit here. They're so cute. It's like, he's very much. Yeah. He's crazy about his wife. You can yeah. just tell. Exactly. Can you give me some more detail about after salvation? Even to be helpful to someone who maybe they encountered Christ, but there's still things that crop up 
with the whole thing, like the rejection and stuff. Yeah. It definitely took a long time. And I, I think that more because I needed it to be honest with myself. This was my, I was so ashamed of my story. If I would have said, this was me, you know, this is maybe not how I would have chosen. This is, and, and that was my story and I accept it. And my identity is not in people. My identity is not even what I do or in myself or my husband or anything. It's in Jesus. My identity is in Jesus Christ. I have found that he has found me. And when you do that and you say, you surrender to Christ and you're honest with yourself. You're honest with God. He knows everything anyway. Mm -hmm. But when you take a good look at this is my story. This is what happened. This is the real me. Help me, God, change me. I don't want to be like this. But I couldn't save myself. I couldn't change myself. I couldn't redeem myself. He's my deliverer. And he's my redeemer. And he did that. And once you realize your identity is in Christ, your acceptance is in Christ, that he accepts you and that you have choices and he helps you to make those choices to not be that same person anymore and to look at it. And you know what? It just becomes information. You know that that was me, but I am no longer that same woman. I am not that same girl. And I don't, I look back and it's like, that was me before, but that's not me anymore. Wow. And he has just surrendered to God. This is my story. This mm -hmm. is me. Help me. And he loves doing big things. Yes. I always tried to hide who I was because I was ashamed. But now I realize that God gets the glory when he does big things yes. and big miracles and big changes and big powerful stories. I heard a quote one time that says, people with a big pain you know, have, you know, see bigger miracles, something like that. And I had, I carried a lot and my story is intense, I know, but God is big and my story yes. was not too big for God. And I'm, I'm proud to say that he changed me. He, he gave me a new heart. There's nothing impossible for God. There's nothing. When you surrender to God, say, you know what? I need you, God. This was me, but I don't want to be this. Take me and, and use my life. And you surrender to him. I'll tell you, God has done so many miracles. And so I saw my husband at church and... He, I liked him from the beginning. Funny story, I'm this raw new convert. I tell somebody to tell him I like him because I'm coming from the world. And, and you know, my story is crazy. Yeah. And um, he's so saved and he's telling, he had been in church for like five years already. And he told somebody, you know, tell her that just to serve God and you love Jesus and everything. And that made me like him anymore. And I tell he was different. He was different than everyone. He loved Christ and he was not ashamed he wasn't hiding, you know, and a closet Christian or like a quiet Christian. He loved Christ with everything he had. And he was everything, or he is everything I want to be. He's bold and he's excited about the things of God. And, you know, in San Diego, you have like neighborhoods that can be kind of crazy sometimes. And he would just go up to people, you know, doing drugs and like gangs and just go right up to them. Are you going to go up there? And he's like, yeah, they need to hear about Jesus, you know? Wow. <laughs> and I, I love that. And so we got married when we were 20, and it's been <laughs> amazing. Besides, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so when when did he approach you after some time? Um, and I think I was 19, and we were at, it was after, like, 
it was in a high school and we did something there. I want to say it's like a music scene or something. And, and we were outside and he bumped into me or I bumped into him. And he said, I'm sorry. And, and he's so funny, you know, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, sister, but no, God is telling me that you need to fast tomorrow. And I'm just like, and, okay. <laughs> But I couldn't believe he talked to me because I, I was, you know, I'm so low down here, you know, and like, I thought, he's never going to talk to me. And before that, backing up a little bit, um, we went on um, a youth thing, like, you know, there was youth Bible studies and we went on this youth bus trip, you know, and he was in the bus and he was talking to me and I was so nervous and I'm like, he talked to me. And then I remember going home and I said, don't get excited. You're way below his level. He'll never talk to you, you know. And yeah, that's true, you know. But I was so excited. He just said bye or, you know, something. <laughs> Not, you know, but, yeah. And um, anyway, later he bumped into me and he said that. He said, sister, I think you need a fast. And, um, but he was kidding, you know, yeah. like, Okay. <laughs> did you fast? And I did. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, I, I love it. Like and now you know that's totally his humor. It's you humor. know, yeah. yeah. And then I told him. And, and did you tell him you fasted? Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Uh, I was just kidding, but you want to go out to eat and. Oh. And so then that's you know, how our story started. That is yeah, so cute. And it was so funny. So you know, how did he propose? It was after a play, and then I went. By that time, I had lived with my sister a year, but then I lived in like a girl's home across the street from the church. And then I was sitting. I went to sit on the steps, and he would always come and just sit with me out there. And I had my head down, and so he comes and he puts in something in my hand, and then I look up and it's a ring, and he says, "I want you to be my wife." Ooh. And I'm like, "Wow, yes." Red Yeah. And so because he was so in love with Jesus, was there a confidence with him that you didn't have with your other relationships in the oh, world? Absolutely. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. That he was who he said he was. And it was really obvious. This is you know, one of the million things I love about him is he's just who he is. This is me. You know, I don't have guess or wonder. It's just and I love that. And I, I strived always to be like that. I come from a different background, but he knows everything about me and he just loves it. You know, this is your story. It feels amazing to be free and not carry that. And it's just a miracle that God did that I could share this, you know, with other people. And so from there, oh, we got married and, you know, I had my our son, his name is Gabriel, and when I was 22 and we lived in San Diego, then we um, started pioneering, and we actually got in San Diego. And I actually got sent out when I was pregnant with Rebecca. Honestly, my life has just been amazing. I have a beautiful life. It's it's adventurous. It's fun. It's it's real, and it's um, you know we love each other, and it's honest and true and fulfilling. I am complete. I am a complete, satisfied woman because of Christ for what he did to my heart, how he restored and redeemed my life. And honestly, at first, I didn't know how to receive love because, you know, rejection and everything. I didn't know how to give love either. But God has taught me that. God has been even merciful to teach me those things. And, you know, there was always the rejection of back. Well, Nobody would love you if they really knew who you were. And that was a total lie. That's not true. And so I can sit here and say my husband knows me and he loves me even more. We've been to so many places. We've pastored different places. We've been able to 
help people and love people. And We got sent out to Pioneer in San Diego, a city within San Diego, and then we went back to assist for a couple years. And from assisting, we went to take over a beautiful church in Tijuana for almost seven years. And from there, we went to assist Pastor Lamb for about four and a half years. And that was an amazing wonderful experience and a blessing and from there we went to Casa Grande uh, to take over a church and that was a privilege and a blessing and a beautiful experience and we were there almost seven years and then after that we went to Prescott where we are currently and in August it'll be five years so it's been a privilege and a blessing just to experience all these wonderful churches and to meet people and to see lives changed and and miracles happen and to see people grow and live for Jesus. And for me, you know, serving God is is not a chore. It's it's where our heart is. Jesus is everything to me. It's not a religion. It's not, you know, just something I do once in a while. Jesus is, is our life and he's everything to us. Going from being a little girl that felt like you didn't really do much, you didn't leave the city, and now look at what God has done. It is an absolute turnaround, you know, just Mm -hmm. a completely different life. And my life is beautiful. It's full of adventure and, and fun, and there's so many things to look forward to. And even in the bad times or rough seasons of our life, you know, our personal life, there's always hope. Even in the worst of the worst, there is always hope when you serve God. He will always help you and and you learn and you grow. And he's been so good just to have children and to learn to be a mother. That was another, I mean, I could tell you so many miracles, but to be a mother to my children, that was so amazing just to be able to love them and nurture them and take care of them and spend time with them and and help them. And that was just one of the most amazing besides salvation, besides being married. It's just God just kept doing all these things that I had a desire in my heart to do. I This sounds kind of silly, but when I was um, little, I was used to play in my room. I was alone a lot. So I used to play in my room and I would put my dolls together and just put my stuffed animals. And I said, one day I'm going to get married. I'm going to have four kids, two boys and two girls. And that's exactly what happened. Oh my gosh. That's the sweetest thing ever. I don't remember ever telling anyone that and God just answered. And over the time, he just answered so many personal desires like that go. And then I had Jacqueline, my daughter over there, which was... There's some stories there, too. I had Jonathan in Las Vegas, and, and it's such a blessing, you know, to have my beautiful, precious kids. And God has restored my life. He has changed. He has untwisted those twisted things that, to me, were normal. were not normal, were twisted, twisted and wrong. He has he's untwisted them. He has healed my mind. He has set me free from you know, the mindsets and all the mentalities I have and even healed me from reje- rejection. And and my identity, like I said, is in Christ. My acceptance is in Christ. And everything just slowed after that. And I'm telling you, there is nothing better than serving God, than surrendering your life to Christ. For Him to just have so much mercy and take a life like mine, that was hopeless and a mess and a wreck without hope and honestly on my way to hell, I mean, if I would if he would have allowed me 
to, you know, die when I tried to commit suicide and I would have still been there, you know, but instead he decided to have mercy on me. He, he has restored my heart. He has restored my life. He has given me a beautiful life. I have hope now. My life has been redeemed. My life has been transformed. You know, there's a lot of things that God has done, but one thing that really stands out is I have joy. I had nothing to look forward to. And I'm not saying that lightly. I would wake up and I had absolutely nothing to look forward to. And I wake up with a beautiful life, with joy in my heart. I laugh. I have fun. I enjoy my life. I enjoy my marriage to the fullest. I love my husband deeply and, and truly. And um, I love my children. And I also have almost four grandchildren who are my treasures and my joys. So I just kept adding and adding. I mean, just enough for him to save me. That's enough. That's a lot. That's everything to be able to make heaven my home. But for him to pile on blessings that I don't deserve is more than anyone could ever ask for. And I am so grateful. I was curious about your mom and your sister. Did they ever get saved? How did so they respond? I'm so glad you mentioned that because there was something bugging me. You have to say something. This is a recent testimony and it is so powerful. I'm so yes. excited to share this one. Yay, me too. I grew up, you know, with tension with my mom, obviously, and just feeling sore to her that weren't right. And But we prayed for her and everything. And But the relationship was strained. You know, she made decisions that weren't okay. So we were away from each other. And um, one day my we came from a leadership meeting, I think. And we had pastors from Argentina in our car. And, you know, they're good friends of ours and everything. And my husband, as being this bold and, and hero, wonderful that he is, he says he knows everything about my life, like I said. And we drive up to my mom's house in Phoenix. And, you know, to see that house, it brings back, you know, memories and everything. But God had already begun, you know, doing some healing in my heart and everything. But my husband said, you know what, let's go in there. I know what went on here. You know, it was pretty much like a sin house, you know, like a dark, you know, he's talking about haunted house, but this is a real deal. <laughs> and so he went in there. He goes, I'm just going to talk to your mom. Okay. You know, and I was like, okay, I wanted to. And I said, we need to face this. He goes, let's just face it head on. I just love that, <laughs> you know. And so my mom's sitting there and. And my mom was different before. It was hard to talk to her. She didn't really like, you know, what we were, you know, things like that. And my, my husband just grabs her in the house where everything happened, in that same house. And my husband's like, just look past it. Let's face it. Let's deal with it. Okay, you know. He grabs my mom and my mom's sitting down. And she, he says, you know, her name. And he says, are you ready to receive Jesus. You need Jesus in your heart. Let me pray with you. And she said, yes. Praise God. And it That's was, amazing. wow. And she's weeping. And, and she was a hard person. She's been through a lot herself. So she, you know, she had heart in her heart. And But at this point, she's weeping. And she said, yes, I'm ready. I'll do whatever it takes. But I'm ready. And he prayed with her. And he prayed the sinner's prayer. And it was real. And she got gloriously saved. And she made decisions that, she made godly decisions. You know, she dealt with people that were living in her home. You're out. I, I'm not living like this. And so, uh, long story short, she is saved today. We brought her from Phoenix. She had a fall and she had, she fell. She was alone for a couple of days because she had fallen and she hurt her back, but we brought her 
and um, all that house and all that stuff is gone. <laughs> she sold it, and which is a miracle. How many she, years ago was this? This just happened. Oh this my was gosh. like in October. Wow. Yeah, last year. Wow. And my mom was hanging on to this house, and I don't know why, just maybe comfort or something. And she said, you know, long story short, we're dealing all of this, and and she can't live by herself. And it's like she didn't want to. And I remember getting on my hands and knees, and I said, God, I need a miracle. I don't know what to do. I'm doing all I can, but nothing's happening. I need a miracle. And um, my sister calls me, and she says, do you want to hear some good news? And I literally had just got up from praying. And I said, yes, please. She said, mom wants to get rid of that house. She wants nothing to do with it. She Praise just wants God. to get rid oh of it. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And I said, so it's gone. Uh, the memories are gone. The pain is gone, even. God even healed the pain of all that. Like, I'm just talking to you, but I don't feel pain right. anymore. Because God even took that away, and he's healed me of that. And... She is saved. And so we brought her, and she lives three minutes away from me in a home. Oh. She lives in Prescott Valley now. And so, and she's saved, and and she's just got his. I met uh, her at did church. You? Yeah. Yes. You did. Yes, yeah. you did. I remember yeah. that. Wow. She's a different woman. God has just really began to do a major work in her life. The funny thing, not it's not, it's funny now because obviously I know you now, but not everybody listening knows you, is when you said, I was just really mean with this like giant smile on your face. And I'm like, nope, can't see it. <laughs> can't see That's it. That's a good thing. I remember one of, I was, the thing that popped in my mind was, I remember Becca was saying something. I can't even remember what she was saying now, but she was saying something about you and she's like, and you know, my mom she's like the nicest person in the world <laughs> and then like kept going on and i'm like the nicest person in the world that's a good it's a good title there another thing is i've always noticed about you guys that you're very genuine oh for sure i yeah. tell my husband that all the time i'm yeah. like i want to be the galvans yeah. they're just such genuine people you don't you don't even second guess that you just can see it all over you guys that is my prayer that people say we're just real people who love god and and that they would see hope and now it's documented